The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... Your blood sugars control everything. They regulate everything. And I think it's it was my first time really realizing, obviously, stress, I know, does that. But from an intimate um, relationship standpoint, this was the first time I had seen how blood sugars take a toll. And I was like, this is crazy. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good evening. What is happening? And welcome back to another episode of the Insulone Podcast. Not yet the number one diabetic podcast in the world, but let's keep going. Let's keep going. So we're there. I'll be honest with you because I always like to be honest on this podcast. I'm currently in Florida and... I had my dinner and I said, you know what? I need to get out for a walk because I hadn't yet hit the steps that I wanted to hit this today. And I knew I had some fast acting insulin on board, but I said, you know what? Let me just get out. Let me get the steps in. Just do a quick one. Anyway, the walk ended up being slightly longer than expected. And I've come in and I've just looked at my blood sugars and they're on the way down. So I said to myself, I'm not yet low, but as you can probably hear, my voice is kind of, I'm tripping over my words. So I'm not yet low, but I said, do you know what? Let me just do the intro to the podcast anyway, because everybody that I'm going to be speaking with or speaking to knows exactly what this feeling is like. So I'm not yet low, but I'm on the way. So I said, let's get, this, let's get this done and see if I can do it, even with my blood sugars coming down. So as always, I hope you are well. I hope the day and the week is treating you well. And what an episode I have for you today. <clears throat> Getting the voice cracks too. Starting this episode <laughs> very, very well. The guest that I have today is Sammy Parker. And Sammy lives in Southern California and was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 12. She is the co-host of the Just My Type podcast, the other host being her friend Dobie, who lives with type 2 diabetes, so it's a good contrast to have. 
The Just My Type podcast aims to bridge the diabetes community by being relatable through talking about the human experience with diabetes and not just the diagnosis. Sammy herself is a dance teacher and recently graduated from university in Malibu, California. We were talking about that briefly before and is now receiving her master's degree in exercise physiology from Chicago. So Sammy certainly understands and appreciates the beneficial impact of exercise that we constantly talk about on this podcast too. Me and Sammy actually ended up talking for about 30 minutes before we even pressed record. So prior to pressing record, we got on straight away. We were having a great conversation and I knew I was going to enjoy this episode. So I know you definitely will too. I am going to go treat this low blood sugar, enjoy the episode, and I'll chat to you soon. What I wanted to do was jump straight in. Okay. No messing here, Sammy. And I wanted to jump straight in because (laughs) it's very clear that so much of what you do has stemmed from you being diagnosed with diabetes. And when I asked you about a defining moment, your defining moment was when you realized it was your vocation in your life. So I know this is a heavy question to answer straight away, but Sammy, if you had today the opportunity to go back in time and never be diagnosed, would you take it? Absolutely not. And I know everybody probably thought I was about to say absolutely, but no. (laughs) Um, I think it's interesting because I've gotten asked this question actually a lot since I was 12. And my answer has not wavered actually. And I'm, I almost am like proud to say that when I was 12, I still thought this way. Cause I think a lot of times there's that fear and automatically you're like, Oh my gosh, rewind. I wish I didn't have it. Um, and I, I don't know if it's because of the people that were around me or maybe I just got lucky with part of my outlook on it. But I always say I would totally take a cure now. I would for sure take a cure. Um, but I would never redo it because the amount of pros that have come with diabetes has been outrageous and has made me who I am. And so, like, I know we kind of chatted about how it being a diabetic, like that people don't want to be defined by it, but I'm like, I'm proud to be defined by it. Like it has made me who I am. And I always, I joke, but I'm like, I don't know what I would have, I don't know, like what would have made me me <laughs> without it. Mm. Um, and I think it's hard to look at that, honestly, and especially everybody's different. And that's what makes everybody so unique and special. But for me, it's been such a rewarding experience because number one, diabetes and like the lifestyle nutrition diet that kind of should be implemented is how everyone should eat, I think, just for like good health. And number two, I'm like, I'm so in tune with exercise, my body, um, putting myself in other people's shoes, like being able to recognize if somebody's not feeling well because of a different health issue, I can kind of relate to that. And so I don't know, I'm sure you feel the same as I do, but it's taught me a lot of lessons that could not have been taught otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that stood out to me and continues to stand out to me in terms of what you touched on, even just the empathy side of things. Because you suddenly realize that, wow, your your health is pretty fragile here. You know, I thought I was invincible at 19, but I'm obviously not. Yeah. And like you say, you, you're more understanding about mm-hmm. if somebody else isn't feeling well, yeah. or if somebody else is dealing with something physically, mentally, 
emotionally, totally. whatever it is. That's a but- tough age though at 19, because like, I feel like for me at 12, I say like you had the two paths at 12, you know, you're, you're like in middle school. So it's like, okay, um, I can either like care about it and go that route, or I can like try to pretend I don't have it. Whereas 19, I feel like you're pretty set in your ways. I feel like it'd be pretty tricky to navigate that. Wasn't yeah, it? See, it's funny yeah. because anybody I speak to who was diagnosed younger, I say, mm-hmm. well, it must've been really difficult being diagnosed at that age. <laughs> and, and I've had this, I've had this conversation so many times with so many people about it's almost like whatever age you're diagnosed, you just are fit into that. And it's difficult to fathom being diagnosed later or earlier because that's just unique to you. And for me, from my perspective, I'm almost thankful that I was diagnosed at 19 because I was old enough to realize the severity of it. I was Mm -hmm. old enough to look after it myself. I didn't have to rely on my parents or worry them more than they, they already yeah. were worrying. So for me, like, yeah, it was difficult kind of starting college around that time. But Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Were you in college at that time? Yeah. So I was basically starting a new college. So okay. it was like just diagnosed, had to, had to get used to what I was doing physically, yeah. mentally, emotionally <laughs> with diabetes, but also everything that comes with a new college. Oh, thousand so, percent navigating absolutely. friendships, going out, um, <laughs> schoolwork. Like there's a lot of things that you're like, oh my gosh, now I have this wonderful disease. <laughs> Something that makes me stand out even more. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. did you, do you feel then Sammy that, or why do you feel you didn't have that kind of awkward phase at 12 when you're diagnosed maybe awkward isn't the right word but that phase where you were not confident with it okay so I've also I've, I've gotten asked this a lot too so I think I am the youngest out of my entire family so I only have one sibling and she's three years older but all of my cousins are older than me I'm the youngest um so my oldest cousin I think is like turning I think he's turning 40 this year, but, um, I basically had to not grow up quicker, but no matter what, when you have older people around you, you hear a lot more at a quicker age. Um, you're jumping into conversations that you probably shouldn't be. You have to feel like you're keeping up. Um, and it wasn't so much where I would be like insecure about it. It was just, I, I wanted to, I had that desire always from a young age. And I think that was something that maybe when I, we were younger, it, it didn't, wasn't seen as like a pro or a, a benefit. Um, but I definitely think there's a reason now that that was the case because when I got diagnosed, I was in middle school and I, I, I remember I was already always very like outgoing in terms of, I was very talkative. I've always been chatty Kathy, um, clearly. <laughs> and <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Um, I just, I loved chatting. I loved talking to different people. I liked pulling people out of their comfort zones. Um, I grew up dancing my whole life. So dance is a form of expression for me. And that was a very, you know, like you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Um, And there's different forms of dance, like sassy dancing or lyrical or hip hop. So all of those are embodying like a personality and a confidence. Um, And that I think gave me the ability along with being raised in a family where everybody's older that when I got diagnosed, it was like, okay, like I'm going to tackle it head on. Like, why is it any different? Um, and for me, 
you know, maybe I said, maybe, maybe it was a little bit because I was like, Ooh, yay. Something that like makes me unique <laughs> because I loved being outgoing and different. And like, I wanted to always try to, I don't know, just kind of embody a ton of quality, like characteristics, I guess you could say. So when I got diagnosed, it was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I got to carry on my backpack in middle school. I was like, yes, I'm so awesome right now. I don't have to put my stuff in the locker. I'm <laughs> super cool. Everybody's jealous. I have my super cute backpack. Um, and I just started taking insulin in classrooms. Like it was kind of like, I'm just going to take the shot and I'm going to be confident in it. And people are going to ask, but I don't care. I like communication. I like talking. Um, I am an extrovert. I'm like an introverted extrovert. So I, I, re I recharge by myself, but I love people. Um, and so I think maybe in a weird way, <laughs> because I loved talking, it was like, Ooh, I got to talk to more people. But I say like, for me, it was just, I think it wasn't even an option. It was like, okay, confidence is key with this one. Like you're just going to go out and you're just going to tackle it head on and yeah, like nothing's going to stop it. So I think that's kind of how I looked at it. And I think just from like my childhood factors, those definitely played into it. Um, but I, I really think too, I just, I was around a lot of people that were very supportive and um, I, I've just always been a little feisty one. <laughs> so it sounds as if you almost didn't even give yourself time to no. be upset by it. And it, no. I kind of get the impression that you're almost innately resilient or confident. And it's obviously worked in your favor, even being diagnosed <laughs> at such a young age. Pros and cons, because I, I sometimes I'll, I don't give myself a lot of time to maybe like reflect and think and feel, but um, in different situations or crappy situations, I guess. But I do think it's one of those things that it's like your, your best attribute can also be your worst. And in this case, it was working in my favor <laughs> because... I wasn't like, I mean, yeah, obviously I had diabetes burnout days, which I'm sure you did, but it kind of sounds like you were similar to me when you got diagnosed. Cause it was like, you knew the severity of it. And, um, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, I can either sit here and wallow, you know, and like, I can lay in bed and I can mope and I can be like, I hate life. Or I can be like, I'm going to whoop this in the booty. <laughs> I'm going to be a die badass and I'm going to go out there and make a difference or try to. Did you feel as if it was kind of almost difficult to understand how somebody wouldn't be confident in it? And obviously people hmm. living with diabetes have completely different relationships to their own diabetes compared to maybe me or you or somebody else might have. And I was listening to one of your podcasts recently about, mm -hmm. I think you were, you were checking your finger prick getting your blood sugar in a principal's office or something. Yes. And another diabetic in your class oh, went yes. into the bathroom. Wow, you are good. Your memory is outstanding. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? I do my research. So it. was that because I'm kind of picturing you as a 12-year-old, super confident, super resilient about this new diagnosis. You're checking your blood sugar. No questions asked. Yeah. And then not understand why somebody wouldn't be confident in it. Yes. So okay. So it's an interesting response I have, but it was at the time because, so my cousin has it on my dad's side, but, um, I, we didn't grow up in the same, like we weren't like super close when we were younger because we lived far away, but now we are. But, um, I knew what it was, but I, I wasn't, I hadn't been around people who were shy about it. And to me it was like, okay, like, it's not a, it's not a physical defect, you know, like, it's not like, I was like, I don't understand how it's embarrassing 
Um, because I, I just, to me, maybe this sounds so bad and <laughs> like selfish in a way, but I was like, Ooh, like if I take a shot, like I get to be asked more questions. I don't know. Like that's a bad way of looking at it, but I guess it worked out a little bit. So I think for me, it was weird. Cause I was like, why are they shy? Like, I didn't understand how it was embarrassing. Cause I was like, it's my health. Like if I don't do it, I can eventually, you know, die, like die from it. Like I was like, what, what is embarrassing about that? And it was interesting. It was really hard for me. It still is hard for me. And I have to like kind of pull myself back and be like, okay, you need to realize everybody's different. Everybody handles things differently. And you can't just assume because you feel confident in this or are outgoing and outspoken, which isn't always a good thing um, because you say things without thinking, but that (laughs) not everybody else is like that. And some people might be more introverted about it. And that's not a bad thing. That's just different. And it probably works out better for them too because there's totally pros in that. Um, and they probably think before and they probably take more care of it maybe than somebody who's just constantly going, going, going. Um, and I had to like pull myself back and realize that because it was really hard for me. And I didn't know, I didn't understand that feeling of being like insecure, embarrassed. Cause yeah, I mean, there were times that I would take insulin that I was like, well, I'm probably getting some weird looks, but I, I wasn't ever like, why are they hiding it? You know, like I just, like, it wasn't, I don't know. And so I think the only time I really felt like I could kind of understand that was when I was on the insulin pump in college for one year and I was kind of going on dates and whatnot. And that was interesting for me because that was something where I think the first time I felt almost a little, not insecure, but like, okay, I'm a little nervous because, you know, oh, this guy's super cute. And like, he's, he's a little older and da, 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 da. And, and I have an insulin pump, which is so weird. And it has a sight on it. Like that was the first time I was like, okay, okay. I can kind of see it now. Like I can see the uncomfortableness. Um, but otherwise I think I, I kind of have to like pull myself back and remember like everybody's different and that's what's so awesome. But, um, yeah, it, it was difficult. Did it, was it difficult for you? Did you feel like you were kind of like, why are people embarrassed or no, maybe you were more empathetic than me. <laughs> I, to be honest, I, I didn't really even have any connection with another diabetic for years because like we were talking about for 30 minutes before we, we even pressed record today, yeah. I was diagnosed before like I was on social media and before I was listening to podcast, I don't even know if podcasts existed and there wasn't anybody in my school or my college yeah. that I knew of or had even seen before taking insulin or checking blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So for me, I didn't really have anything to compare it against. Yeah. So yeah, I, I suppose I, like I was always confident with it. Just mm-hmm. similar to you, it was just something that I knew I had to do. And yes, yeah, there was, there's no alternative for me. It's like, if I need to check my blood sugar, I'll do it. If I need to take insulin, I'll do it because it's just something I have to do. It's like a built-in resilience. Yeah. And I think like maybe because I wasn't comparing my own experience to anybody else's, it would be, let's, let's say, for example, there was somebody in my college who Mm -hmm. was also living with type one diabetes and they were really nervous about it or were shy about it or didn't check their blood sugar in public or didn't take insulin in public maybe then i would almost adopt that sort of mentality around it because Mm -hmm. it could be like oh maybe 
should I feel that way about my bloods or should I feel that way about my diabetes? But because I didn't see somebody around me kind of nervous about it or, or not confident about it. I, I was just the way I was with it, which looking back and I've never actually really, really even thought about it since you've asked. So thank you for asking Sammy. (laughs) I think it's something, it's almost like, I'll never forget. I had somebody say to me, um, how did they word it? They were like, oh yeah, has dating been difficult? And I said, what? <laughs> I was like, uh, are you trying to tell me something? Um, and they were like, well, I mean like, cause you're diabetic. And I was like, oh, you mean like with my blood sugars? And they were like, no, because it's a lot to take on. Like for a, bo- like for a guy, like as a boyfriend, that would be a lot to take on. And I remember I was like, ouch. (laughs) Thanks for the reassurance. (laughs) I was like, wow, guys, thank you. That was so kind. Um, but that was the first time that I was like, huh? Like kind of how you said where you don't really have room to think about it. Like I was around people who were diabetic that were shy, but I never had somebody tell me like basically how a guy would view it. That's not diabetic. Like that they'd be apprehensive dating somebody. And I was like, that one kind of was like a, and I know that they didn't mean it. They are really close and dear to me, but I was just like, wow, she really just said that to me. <laughs> like, and that was the first time I felt I was taking a step back. Cause she was like, that's a lot, you know, like that's a lot for a guy to take on. So it's going to have to be a guy who's really, he's a really special guy and really loves you. And I was like, huh? Well, well, now I'm a little insecure going into the <laughs> dating realm, but. <laughs> so that obviously then, well, the impression I'm getting is that almost made you more nervous dating, did it? Yes. Yeah. I will, I'm not going to lie. That was the first time I'd ever been like kind of wavered from somebody's comment. Because, you know, it'd be like somebody telling you like, Oh, you know, well, I don't know. Some girls might think that's weird. And you're like, oh, well, I just got it. I'm 19. Like, it's like, it totally just kind of like takes you for a loop. And it was weird. Cause I, it wasn't like my confidence wavered. I just was like, Ooh, do I need to be aware of like who I'm going on a date with? And I, I actually talked to, Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. I talked to somebody about this, um, who actually came on our podcast about, it's kind of like a benchmark as far as like, now I'm like, okay, dating wise, I'm like, I set that as the benchmark. Like if they can deal with diabetes or if they're caring enough to deal with diabetes, then, <laughs> then they, then they get a second date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got a text back. Yeah. But if, if they don't, and that's too scary for them, then I'm like, it's actually a really good indicator because if somebody's that, you know, empathetic and, um, warming and caring and like worthy of dating somebody, then they're going to take on whatever you have and they're going to not worry about that. They're going to take it on like their own. Mm. Had you gone on a date, Sammy, before that comment or question that was different to one that you went on after that comment or question? And did you feel differently about that date and your diabetes? Yes, um, I did. It was before I went into college and in high school, I did not really you know, high school people don't really go on dates. So it was like, I hung out with people, but the one guy I talked to for a while, he didn't, it never was a question. Like he would just ask, are you okay? Like make sure I was always okay. Um, in college, definitely, which is kind of like the time I was telling when I had the pump on. And to be honest, we were just more like in an intimate setting. And I remember like, it was the first time I felt weird because I was like, okay, like 
I have a pump attached to me. And that was when I was like, is this weird? Is this scary? And then basically I was like, oh, like being hyper aware of like everything that he said or did or like gesture wise, I was like basically like analyzing it to a T. And that was like weird. I was like, oh gosh, like I hate that this is in my head now that I think he thinks it's like weird, you know? And I was like mad because I was like, this has never been my thought process. Is that somebody that you had been with long-term or no? No. And that's why it was like so hard, I think. Cause when I, I was already like, Ooh, okay, they're cute. They're older. And then it was like, when I went on the date, I was like, this is very uncomfortable. And I like, I'm a little upset that I feel this way because I've never felt that way. Um, so I definitely think people don't realize too, like how much words can affect you. Um, even if you're resilient or confident or outspoken with it, you know? I was just about to say this, this friend of yours obviously didn't mean anything by it, but no. And that's that's what's crazy. Yeah. And then that was playing in your head on those future dates following it. Yeah. Had you then made any sort of attempt to completely hide it or was, was it always something that you were open about even after that conversation that you had? I was, I was always open because I, I, as much as there was that like little, okay. There was like that little gut feeling in me that was like, well, I just want to be in college. Like I want to just have fun, like go on dates and you know, whatever, hang out with whoever. And then I was like, okay, like, let's be honest. That's fun. Sure. But like at the end of the day, whoever you're going to date, do you even want to waste time hanging out with somebody who you're afraid to tell they have diabetes or like you think it's going to scare them or that they're not able to handle that? And then I was like, no, because whoever's like worthy of dating you should like be a stand-up guy and all around. And that was kind of what where my brain went. So from then I was still always open. Like I was like, yeah, I have diabetes. Yeah, I'm diabetic. Yes, I have a pump. So if you feel a port, that's a port. That's a sight. You know, I was like trying to be very transparent. Um, did you were you like that or were you more like, did you try to kind of like hide it? I was always open about it, to be honest. But I've never been on a pump so a pump is obviously more visible than mm-hmm. mdi or insulin pens so sometimes it might come up let's say first date or a night out or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. but if it didn't come up it would never be as a result of me purposely trying to hide it yes i know exactly what you're saying it just didn't because when you're an mdi it's like it just doesn't like if you don't need to do anything you don't need to do anything exactly but any like any experience I've had with a girl, let's say, mm-hmm. has always yeah. been positive. I've never had like, oh, what is that, or why do you need to do that, or like everything has been has been uh, yeah really nice. Well, because I I think it's and that's probably maybe like the difference. Like it sounds so funny, but majority of girls are you know obviously we have estrogen, so we're more we're more like compassionate maybe. But um, <laughs> it's it's funny because I feel like you know, you, you being a guy and like, you're a very good looking guy. So I'm sure like, if you went on a date with a girl and you're telling her this, it probably, I joke, it's like when you see a guy with a puppy or like a guy with a baby and they're like, (laughs) they're like, oh my gosh, he has a baby or he has a puppy. You know, it's like, like this, like a magnet, you know? And, um, so I like, it probably worked out in your favor. Like, oh yeah, I have diabetes. And they're probably like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, he handles it with so much grace. (laughs) He handles it with so much grace, you know? And so 
it probably in a weird way was like maybe a magnet for you. <laughs> sure. There's always a few things you can you can get the most out of or milk for <laughs> as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to one of your episodes of the podcast today, yeah. Sammy, as I was telling you in our chat before we press record. Yes. <laughs> and you were speaking about your well, three of your traits that you have to kind of consistently stay on top of your diabetes and why they're important. And the ones that you named were confidence, resilience, and being selfish. So why are each of these things so important to you? Okay. So I think number one for being confident, which I know we kind of touched on, but I think if you're not confident, you are not going to take your health as a priority. And that's something that you have to be confident. You have to take a shot wherever, whenever. It doesn't matter if anybody's watching. It doesn't matter if you're in a car. It doesn't matter if you're at a concert. Like I was at a concert before my pump was failing. Hence why number also like 5,000 reasons why I don't like it. Um, (laughs) But I think it's one of those things like you have to be confident in your own skin in order to also be confident in a disease that has a lot to do with life and allowing yourself to be like, I can't do this, or I need to do this, or I need to go right now and take this shot. I have to go, which it kind of goes hand in hand with um, selfish. So like the two kind of go together because your confidence is coming from a selfish spot, basically with diabetes, because if you're not selfish and you don't take your insulin when you need to, you don't tell people, no, I can't eat at this restaurant, which I get it. As we know, as with a diabetes, you're technically allowed to eat whatever you want as long as you take insulin. <laughs> but we all know too, it just makes life harder. Yes, um, it does. And so I think for me, especially because I'm plant-based, like I'm like, you know what? I'll be honest. I normally can find something at any restaurant, but this place is really hard. So I feel really bad guys, but if there's any other spot and it's one of those things where people might be like, oh my God, you're so high maintenance. But I'm like, no, I'm just confident and being selfish with my diabetes basically. And you have to be selfish because if you're not, and you don't take nights for yourself, you don't give yourself sleep. You don't, um, tell yourself, you know what? I need to go on a walk right now. Like as much as I want to hang out with everybody, or I want to just sit around the house and talk. Cause like, I, I love my family more than life itself, but sometimes we'll just be all chatting. But if my numbers are going high, and I want to be in the conversation. I'm like, you know what? You need to be selfish and just say you're going on a walk because you got to get your numbers down because it's your health. Like you're, you don't need to sacrifice your health and your future because you're trying to accommodate everybody else. And I think it's really easy too if you're um, not even just empathetic, but you know, just like caring and you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Um, so I think that's why selfish is another one because you have to take your health as a priority. And that, in order to be selfish, you have to be confident. But I think in order to be confident, you have to be resilient. And so that's why it's kind of like resilience leads to confidence and that comes from being selfish. So the resilience part is just, you have to be able to be like, I know who I am. And this is something like I can either sit there and question about and kind of decide if I want to handle it or not. But you have to know like it's diabetes for me, it was kind of like, there's a reason I got diabetes and I might not know the reason yet, but like I'm going to tackle it head on and I'm going to use it to make a change in myself and maybe help others around me, help my family kind of be more compassionate about something or um, just a bunch of different factors. So I think those are why to me, those are three character traits, honestly, like on a daily basis, I'm like, 
okay, if my blood sugar is 400 one day because I can't get it down from hormones, well, I'm going to take insulin and I'm going to work out until it comes down. <laughs> like there's no stopping. I love me. how you linked the three of them together too, because they're, they're all extremely relevant to long-term and short-term with diabetes. Yes. Is there anything, Sammy, that you do or have done to create the sort of confidence that you have consistently with your diabetes, which leads to you being confident to be selfish? So, um, I would say, honestly, I guess like things that would lead to, I guess, confidence was one. I was just, I think working out, which sounds hilarious, but exercise was one of the number one things. Like I was like, when you exercise and you see a change in blood sugars from like high blood sugars, even with insulin to low, you're like, I got this. Like it gives you the confidence. Like I know how to like fix my blood sugars and I know how to take care of myself, which is a really reassuring feeling when you don't feel like hopeless. You feel like, okay, I know how to tackle it. Like I can read my body and I'm very intuitive. Um, another thing with confidence is I think like, you know, just being communicative. And that's like one of the number one things, like in order to be confident, you have to be like, Hey, this is what I have. This is what I deal with. And I'm going to tackle it head on. And even if you're not actually confident, like there's times I might not actually be confident, but it's like the mindset where I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. Like I know what I'm working with. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to get all my ducks in a row and then I'm going to go out and then I'm going to go to this event or I'm going to go on this trip. I'm confident with my diabetes and I'm going to be selfish. When I need to go on a walk, I'm going to go on a walk. And so kind of like preparing your mindset a lot of times I think has been something for me that's been um, a big part of how to be confident in being selfish and recognizing like you are only, you're your worst enemy. You know, like if you have a negative outlook, then you're going to have a negative outlook no matter what people say. People can, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had people before that want to tell me like, love, love my mom more than anything. But she used to say, (laughs) she'd say, well, you know what? There's a lot of things that could be worse. Right. And I would be like, yes. And as much as I told, I knew that, but in those moments that I had a negative mindset, like that didn't matter what what she was saying did not matter. Like I was in my own mindset. It didn't matter if I knew I didn't have cancer. If I do, I knew I didn't have a different disease. Like I didn't, I wasn't even listening. Like I was listening, but I was like, just stuck in my own head. And so I think the second you like can turn it around and be like, no, no, like I am only my worst enemy. So I need to be my biggest advocate for myself. And that's something I think that's huge. And I feel like you're probably very similar to me in that way with, you know, you know, you're, your like, you're your biggest advocate and people can help, but it starts with you and like how you accept things. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And the way I look at it, even specifically with diabetes, is like how or my perspective on my diabetes doesn't change the fact that I have diabetes. And exactly. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. I sound like a broken record saying this, but I will just continue saying this. Yeah. But if I consistently look at my diabetes in a negative way, that doesn't change the fact that tomorrow I wake up with diabetes. It Mm -hmm. only will harm me. Whereas sometimes it's difficult, but if I consistently try to focus on the positives or why it's not negative necessarily, Mm -hmm. then 
you just put yourself in a better position. You, you have, you're at a much greater advantage, in my opinion, day to day to just cope with what you have to cope with, whether that be highs, lows, whatever it is. What would you say for you specifically is the probably like the best ways that you've coped with diabetes burnout? Good question. <laughs> for me personally, and I know everybody's relationship with this can be so different, but <clears throat> I would struggle with it more or I have struggled with it more in the past when I think about the long-term impact of it. Not necessarily consequences that may occur but or, yeah. or complications, but the idea that I will have this in 30 years time, probably, or 40 years or 50 years or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I feel or have felt more overwhelmed when I think of that mm-hmm. because it's like, oh my God, today wasn't exactly ideal. How am I supposed to do this in 40 years or <laughs> whatever it is? Yeah. So how yeah. I kind of pull myself back from that and, and stay in as positive a mindset as I can mm-hmm. is just focus on day by day, week by week, sometimes even meal by meal. Because the only thing that I can control, the only thing that I can focus on right Mm -hmm. now is this exact moment. I know we're kind of getting into um, like not not spiritual things, but it's like. (laughs) No, I know what you mean. I'm kind of like like, for me, at least I'm like, I know that God has a plan for me. That's just always been my thing. And I'm like, there's a reason he let me tackle it. And Hmm. I've got it. And it's like. I, I don't want to waste my mental energy worrying mm-hmm. about 30 years down the road because all I can control, the only thing I can look at right now is what I'm doing right now. Because yeah. in 30 years time, that will still be right now at that moment. Exactly. So the only thing I can look after now is, am I exercising? Am I drinking water? Am I looking after the food I'm eating? Am I taking my <laughs> insulin? Am I prioritizing sleep? Yep. And these are the things that lead to your short-term and long-term health. So for me, that's how I have confidently avoided bouts of diabetes burnout. Just focusing on short-term because that's all I can control. No, totally. I mean, it's... It's very true because I can sit there and think about long-term complications even. And it does freak me out sometimes because mm. I'll have someone who says like, oh yeah, like so-and-so lost an eye. And I'm like, holy oh, beep, are you kidding me? I'm like, oh, okay. Well, thanks guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, thanks for telling me that. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, it really made me, you know, like fix my blood sugar right now. <laughs> like, But it can be difficult when you think long-term instead of like, okay, what can I change now? What can I, how can I approach it now? Um, and it's something that, you know, especially when like for me, I'll have those stubborn highs, salty sugars, <laughs> but I'm like, I'll be stuck at a high blood sugar and it's from hormones. Obviously women have a menstrual cycle. And so for me, I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I'm about to go crazy right now. And I start thinking and I, my head will spiral and then I get upset and diabetes burnout hits. And then I'm like, no, no, like you have to realize like there's, you can't think that way or I'll get caught up on like what my A1C would be. And, you know, for a girl with hormones, it plays a big role. And so I'm like, you can't stress about that because as long as I know I'm doing my best, 
I'm eating what I works for my body. I'm drinking a lot of water, like you said, trying to get as much sleep, which I need to be better at and <laughs> not trying to worry about like as many futuristic things. It's like, I need to just give myself some grace, hmm. which I think is a big one that we sometimes fail to do when you're like, so on top of it, you don't allow yourself to have some grace with it, you know? Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And I think for me, it's like, there's a fine line between like ultra management where you're super focused on your management, yeah. but then yes, as a result yes. of that, when things inevitably don't go to plan, that can hit you harder because you're so used to being at a certain level or being in a certain range. And then you can be more frustrated because it's like, I'm used to being 90% this. time in mm-hmm. or 90 or whatever it is. Yeah. And when you have that massive high throughout the night or throughout the week, whatever it is, <sighs> that can hit you harder mentally, I feel. Oh, because it's so totally. out of the ordinary for you. Mm-hmm. And there's times like, it's really weird. I have like, I call them fake highs. Like they're not actually fake high, but um, <laughs> mentally it's a fake high. Like I don't feel like I have a high blood sugar but I know it's spiked and I know it's from hormones. Mm. And then I have a high blood sugar. That's actually a true high that I like feel the effects. I have a headache. My eyes are, you know, my eyes feel swollen and puffy, um, dry mouth, but sometimes I don't. And when I don't have the actual high and it's like my quote unquote fake high, it, it gets, it makes me so frustrated. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I know that this isn't a true high blood sugar. I know if I go on a 20 minute walk right now, it would drop. And then the second I do, I'm like, ah, and my stress comes back down, but it's so hard sometimes to like simmer that down and remind yourself like, okay. As difficult as it can be at times. What I always say is there's nobody on the planet living with type one diabetes who has perfect management. You can try to, but it's never Mm going to happen. Totally. But never for me, the next best thing is having the ability to not emotionally connect yourself to your bloods when they're out of whack because yes and the way i describe it sometimes is your blood sugar can be like glass super fragile a high or a low that can be the crack that leads to everything breaking for the rest of the day depending on how you react and respond to that high or low no it's that is very true i actually i love that um that is a great metaphor because i I definitely feel like that where I'm like, like even right now, I, my blood sugar is like 110 and I haven't eaten, but for some reason uh, it, it could just be hormonal or, or it could be different factors, stress, whatever, but I've been more resistant. And so I'll like eat something and then I will pre-bolus 30 minutes ahead and it just still sky- skyrockets. And I'm like, mm. what the heck? And it's <laughs> like you said, like, like I just broke. Infuriating. And I'm like, well, now how do I, and the glass can't be put together again. So it doesn't, it takes a while. And I'm like, well, guess these next two hours are going to be pretty tough and it's can be so infuriating. And that's where I almost have to like set my phone down because my Dexcom's on there and I have to like set it aside so that I don't like look at it. Cause I'm like, I can't, I can't look at my blood sugars or else I'm going to get more in my head. Hmm. Put that phone away <laughs> when, yeah. when, when you know that you're not going to benefit from looking at your blood sugar if they're high or you're hoping that they're coming down. Just don't even look. No, That's what I try to do. If I'm having a stubborn high and I've taken insulin, I know I have to wait. So it doesn't, it doesn't do anything to me positively 
if I've just taken insulin and my bloods are really high and I check my blood sugar again, of course, they're still going to be high and I'm going to be yeah. more pissed off, <laughs> and, you know? So it's like, yeah. set your phone aside and do whatever you need to do. Just don't check them for a while. Yeah, exactly. Sammy, you said one of the main things that you focus on or one of the main things that has helped you manage your diabetes so consistently is exercise. Yes. And do you feel as if, and I know you're obviously doing a master's in exercise physiology, so you obviously know what you're talking about. <laughs> do you train or work out in a way that helps you build physical or mental resilience that in turn can help you manage your diabetes? So I think something that I've learned, I guess, through exercise, um, it's kind of, it's very interesting because, so exercise has always been the number one thing for me, like even at a young age. Um, and I exercise every day. Like there might be one day I take off, but I always am exercising. And I think something that's interesting is people have different definitions for exercise. Um, for me, it could be a walk. It could be, you know, it could be going on the elliptical for 20 minutes. It could be, and I try to typically do like 45 minutes of cardio a day. Cause I, for me, that's been the most beneficial. And that has given me the, like, I always feel like when I finish that, I'm like, okay, like my mental state is at its peak. And I feel like great. Like I'm like, feel the most resilient. Um, and I think that's something that for me, it's worked, maybe not for other people, maybe for other people, it's, you know, doing yoga or it's doing Pilates. It could be doing boxing. It could be, it could be a variety of things. And, um, I think especially I learned this in my undergrad from one of my professors, but she was like, exercises, you have to learn to do exercise on your own, not from like just somebody else telling you, like, it's gotta be something you enjoy. So exercise, the like definition of exercise is anything active that you enjoy. It could be playing a sport, you know, that's like active. Um, for me, dancing, dancing's a big one. Um, funny because <laughs> it's actually like one of the worst things ever for my blood sugar, but, um, I literally will spike to like 300 from the adrenaline, but I love it. And it's a form of therapy. And that honestly, even though it's doing the opposite effect of my blood sugars, it makes me so confident and resilient with dealing with it. Um, but I think for me, it's very much of like, and I think everybody should, it's kind of like set aside that time and that habit. And my co-host on our podcast, Dobie, he has created like a consistent routine and habit. And it's been so awesome to see because I realized like, if you just tell yourself like, okay, today I'm exercising. And the second you start to just break that habit though, and it's like, oh, I'm just going to go the next couple of days without exercising your resilience is going to dwindle. Your confidence is going to dwindle because you're getting back to that mindset of, I'm going to just kind of like let myself be lackadaisy. And it's just like kind of you're reversing. And to me, it's like, you need to be progressing. And I think exercise, the benefits of exercise and the dopamine it releases and um, the positive, basically like I always joke, but I say positive vibes it gives out because it's like <laughs> you, you feel so good after. And it's like, okay, I'm like, I was active today. Like I'm thankful I have my two arms. I'm thankful I have my two legs and I'm going to go from there and I'm going to use my body to kind of like treat it like a temple. Mm, I love it. And you hit the nail on the head there saying about how it has to be something that you enjoy because yeah. the reality of it is if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it consistently. 
And yep. if you don't do it consistently, then you're not going to reap the benefits of what it has to offer. Exactly. And if you are doing something consistently, whether it be playing football, going out for a walk, a cycle, dancing around your bedroom, whatever it is, it puts you in a better headspace. And when you're in a better headspace, in my opinion, you can deal with other things a lot easier. Diabetes being one of those things. Yes. And it's like, if you have, again, from my own perspective, if mm-hmm. I have a day where my bloods aren't doing what I want them to do, if I have exercised, I know for a fact I'm in a better headspace to deal with all that shite. Excuse my language. No, I know what you mean. And and I even look at it. So like for me, I've always, much like yourself, I've always been into exercise and sport and I've really got into kind of longer distance running. And Mm. I try to do it with like intense, heavy weight training too, which are both very challenging ways to train. But I feel that when I really, 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 really push myself in the gym or a long run when I feel as if my body's about to explode or whatever it is, it just makes other things in your life easier to deal with. 1000%. build up that resilience from it as a decision to do that exercise or that form of movement, whatever it is. Whereas with diabetes, you don't have a choice, but you still almost subconsciously build up that resilience because whether you like it or not, you still have to deal with those highs or those lows. For me, it's like, well, I get the natural resilience of dealing with diabetes and then also the resilience from exercise that I that I decide to do. Yes. And and I think that's where it's almost like it's kind of like when you eat bad. If you eat bad like multiple days in a row, you just feel crappy, you know, and you're like, I need to refresh myself. And it's like when you eat healthy for so many days in a row, you feel like really good. You're like on this, you know, you're just on this like very not like good um what's it called? Uh oh my gosh, what what is the word? Um track record. Like you have a really good track record. Okay. (laughs) I was like, what's the word? And, um, you're like, okay, like I can't break them. I can't break it. Like I can't break the track record right now. It's pretty good. And then all of a sudden you ruin it and you're like, Oh, and it's like, that's how I almost feel with exercise. Like I'm like, it's like when I don't do exercise for three days, my brain is like, uh, uh, and you're just in that like mopey phase. And then the second you're like, okay, I'm on my track record and I'm going, and I'm like, keep on exercising, exercising. You just feel good. And you feel like ready to like go out and approach the world in a different mm. way. My rule is if I miss a day of exercise or I don't exercise one day, I have to the next day. Yes. If I have one bad meal, which I do quite frequently, <laughs> the next one has to be a good one. And I yeah. never do two in a row because if you break it with more than one, in my opinion, again, it's easier to keep that going in a bad way. It's totally. like if I have one bad meal, then the next one's bad. I can be like, ah, do you know what? Whatever. Let's just keep let's just keep this going. Yeah, it's like screw it. And you're yeah. like, <laughs> So if you stop yourself early, if you miss a day exercise, make sure tomorrow you do it. You have, have a totally. not ideal meal, make sure the next one's good. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And there's so many different factors too, like that that comes into play with. It's kind of like with anything, even like, um, when you're with friends, it's so hard. Cause sometimes they just want to 
if you're with them for on a trip and you're like out on the, I don't know, you're boating or something, feel like on a lake trip and everybody's just, you know, there's no exercise really happening there. You're just laying around. And it's like with that even, or like if you're on the beach and you're doing that for five days, you kind of are like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, I'll do it another day. I'll do it another day. But then there's a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to wake up this morning then and go on a walk or I'm going to, you know, you have to like, you've got to like set aside that time to create consistency. Mm. And obviously there's factors that come into play and they cause high blood sugars or different emotional things that can cause high blood sugars. But the basis of like your foundation of what your everyday life is and your everyday habits, I feel like those, that's where the word consistency comes into play. Consistency is key when it comes to managing your blood. Yes, it is. Our habits and routines need to be just as consistent as our blood sugar is. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. Because, and it's almost like a beauty and a curse in my opinion. Totally. With blood sugar, how it will react almost immediately to things that we do and things that we don't do. Oh. Now, obviously, uh-huh. like you've said, you've said, like you've said plenty of times, <clears throat> it can react and respond to things out of our control, like hormones, environment to a certain extent. Yeah. But for the most part, our blood sugar will react to things we do and things we don't do. Things yeah. like what food am I eating? Am mm-hmm. I exercising? Am I sleeping? Am I drinking water? All these different things that the reality of it is it's our decision to either do or not do. No, it's very, very true. And I think the second you are able to like realize that it's like, okay, yeah, it stems from me. And yeah, there totally is like different factors that are like inevitable, but it's also interesting because it's like, I think that's what's hard, especially in college. Like you're in a setting, there's not really consistency in college. Absolutely not. It's like, and when you are consistent, people look at you like you're a weirdo. Like, like, (laughs) why is she doing this every day? And it's like, that's where the selfishness comes in. I was like, you know, I want to just fly by the seat of my pants, but I really can't. Like, even when you're dating somebody, it's like, you want to be able to just be like, happy, go lucky, have fun. But like, you really can't because it's like, you got to at least have some, like, that's fine for a day or two, but then it's like, okay, as much as I'm having fun, I have to revamp myself and kind of like tell myself, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to set myself back up on my schedule and then I can enjoy myself after. And it might, it might be only in like an hour, you know, it's like, so I think that's like something that's really big to me too. That was part one of my chat with Sammy. And as you know, as always, if you are listening on the day of the release of this episode, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, that isn't the day this has been released. Part two is going to be the next episode on our list. So enjoy part two. And thank you for listening to part one.